Nice to see you all today. We can't see you out there on, online, but we know you're there. We're glad you're there. We join together. Amen. Amen. Let the word affect our life, affect our thinking, affect our perceptions, uh, affect our decisions, affect our choices, affect our thinking, affect everything. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> uh, you know what part of us don't need to be affected by the word? None. <laughs> no, no, you don't have anything. No. Well, let's go ahead and bless the Lord. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor. You alone, O oh Lord, are worthy of all praise and adoration and honor. You're the glorious King. You're the mighty God. You're the living one, Savior, Redeemer, Justifier. I thank you, Lord, that you paid our price, that you set us free, that you've delivered us out of the darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you, Father, for your great plan of salvation where there's no loopholes, there's no gray areas, there's no wiggling out, there's no wiggling in. It is exactly what you said, what you've declared, and what you have provided. And I thank you that we can take hold of it and walk in it and that we can partake of it, Father. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much, loving us so much that you've given your all so that we could be saved and delivered and set free. Father, we come and sit at your feet to hear your word and be in taught of your Holy Spirit, to receive impartations of revelation into our spirit, that it will affect our thinking, affect our emotions, affect our will. And I thank you, Lord, that it will work out into our life, that we receive it into our heart, take hold of it, meditate on it, that it becomes a part of us, and we will walk in that which we become according to your word. We thank you for it and bless you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's open up to the scripture we've been looking at for the last few weeks. Hebrews chapter 6 in verse uh, 1 and 2. Hallelujah. Good to see you, Pedro. Welcome, Barbara. Glad you all are here tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Pressing on to maturity. When do you reach maturity? When you see him, you will be as he is. Amen. But, you know, the growth of maturity, see, when you see him, okay, when you see him and you be as he is, it can't affect your life anymore because you're done with this life. See, but growing in maturity doesn't mean coming to the place of total maturity. It means you're growing in maturity, and every step of maturity can affect your life here and now on the earth. And that's what it's about. Isn't that right? Amen. So he says, leaving the elementary foundational teachings about the Christ. And we know we're supposed to build off of that foundation. The foundation never changes, but we are to build off of that foundation 
chain, off of those, off of that foundation and make the structure of our house or the structure of our life solid. Yes. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. We build our life on the foundations. If our life should happen to move off of the foundation, it'll collapse in a storm. I don't mean a hurricane. I mean storms, the storms of life. Okay. So knowing the foundational teachings of the Christ does not make us mature. But we press on from that place into maturity. And we've looked at a few of them, repentance from dead works, that now we proceed our works now proceed out of a place of faith, that they become living works, corresponding actions and not dead works. Faith towards God, all right? Well, now our faith is in Messiah, because Messiah has already come. God spoke about him through the Old Testament. So now we move from believing in Jesus to believing Jesus. I don't just believe in him, but I actually believe what he says. Isn't that right? That I take on an inward certainty, a full assurance in my heart about what he says, and I've received it to myself and declare it to be the truth. And in the face of all contradictory circumstances, I know that I know that I know the word is truth, and that's what I hold to. Amen? Amen. So tonight we want to look at the next thing that talks about in verse 2, the instruction about washings. Okay? Now, washings, if you'll notice, it's plural. So it's not just a washing, but washings. And there's several things to consider when we talk about washings, okay? Go over to Numbers chapter 19 and verse 19 and 20. Because in the Old Testament, there was a lot of ceremonial washings, okay? So Numbers 19, 19 and 20 says, Then the clean person shall sprinkle on the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day he shall purify him from uncleanness. And he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be clean by evening. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself from uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from the midst of the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water for impurity has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. All right. So if there was defilement of any sort, okay, you needed to wash as a purification ceremony. And there was a lot of that in the Old Testament. I mean, you can read through the book of Leviticus and just get tired of washing. <laughs> you might as well just live in the shower. <laughs> So now go over to Matthew chapter 15 and let's look at another. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Matthew 15, 1 through 3. Another thing to consider. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. All right, so there's another washing. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So there was a ritual that you had to wash your hands before eating so that you didn't put anything unclean into your body. All right? And Jesus tells them about you nullify the word of God with your traditions. Isn't that right? Because the traditions is not Old Testament law. You won't find that in the Old Testament law. This is the, what did he say? Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? This is the, one of those laws that they just came up with and added it to the Old Testament laws. 
And this is why the, Jesus said to them, why do you put a yoke on these people that you yourselves can't, you can't do? You know, because to the Old Testament law, I think they added 650 of their own laws. So this was not an Old Testament law. This was a law that the elders came up with. Okay? It's kind of like um, mandat- man- mandating stuff that's not a law. That would be one of them right there. They mandated that you wash your hands before you eat bread, but it was not a law. Verse 10 and 11. Hallelujah. <laughs> amazing how it all works together after jesus called the crowd to him he said to them hear and understand hear and understand you know there's a lot of hearing but not a lot of understanding but jesus said hear and understand it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man amen So you're not defiled by what goes in your mouth. Eat all the shrimp and lobster and all the seafood and shell food that you want. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Because what goes in your mouth does not defile you. Okay? It's what comes out. So it's not eating that defiles you. It's speaking that defiles you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love that tongue... And love to wag it is going to really eat a lot of fruit of it. Are you with me? Okay, so speaking is what defiles you, especially when you're speaking out from your heart. Because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth and then creates in your life for you. Isn't that right? So out of the heart, then out of the mouth is going to create either a righteous life or a defiled life. And even in just certain circumstances you're in, what comes out of your mouth based on what's in your heart will either make that circumstance righteous or it'll make it defiled. Amen. Are you with me? Acts 19. All right, so there was a washing, ceremonial washings from the Old Testament in the, in the, uh, the law of the Lord. And then there was traditional washings that was set up by the elders that had nothing to do with the laws of God. Acts 19, 1 through 4. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then will you baptize? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Okay. (laughs) That's as far as we're going. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I was waiting for more because I know we're going further, but not yet. (laughs) So John baptized with the baptism of repentance. What baptism was that? It's a baptism of water. Isn't that right? Okay. And the preparation, the whole idea of that baptism in water was to prepare for Messiah. Amen. All right. Verse (laughs) 5. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right. What were they baptized into? The Lord Jesus. Verse 6. 
And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. So now that's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? Okay. The word baptism is the Greek word baptizo. And it means to be immersed and to be saturated. All right. So baptized in water means to be immersed into water. To be baptized in Jesus means to be immersed into Jesus. And to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. Immersed and saturated. All right. So John baptized or immersed you in water for repentance. But then they got baptized and immersed into Jesus. And then they got baptized and immersed into the Holy Spirit. So immersed in water for repentance, immersed in Jesus for eternal life, and immersed in the Holy Ghost for power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this, this is the very foundation of life for all of those believers back in that day. And many have nullified the foundation because of their tradition, just like the elders did. They've come up with their own laws and their own ideas and their own traditions and nullified the Word of God. When yet this is supposed to be the foundation that you build off of. We are to live now immersed, consecrated in our life to Christ. Go over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Colossians 3, 3. So he says, if you have died... For you have died, I'm sorry, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died and your life is found in Christ. Why is your life found in Christ? Because he's the one you're immersed into. That's where your life is. Amen. Mark chapter 16. Verses 15 and 16. We'll just attack a little more traditional stuff here. <laughs> and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Okay. He who has believed and is baptized. So is he talking about baptism in water? No. No, why? Because it goes on to say that he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. All right, so what if somebody was baptized or believed and never got baptized in water? Uh, have they not been saved? See, the thing you have to understand, first of all, is baptism, baptizo, is not a Christian word. So many words in the Bible are not Christian words. It's just a normal word of society. Baptizo means immersed, saturated. You know, if a Greek, and we've said this before, if a Greek owned Dunkin' Donuts, it would be called baptized donuts. because they're dunked. That's all it means. There is nothing Christian and holy about baptism. The word. All right? So, he who believes and is baptized... He who believes and is immersed into Christ is the one that is saved. Not baptized in water, in Christ. He's immersed into Christ. He believes, he's immersed, he's baptized. All right, now, the way it's written, this is what screws people up. 
He who has believed and has been baptized. See, he's got to believe and be baptized. No, it's a writing style. It's just a style of writing. In other words, he's saying, he who has believed, this is the one that's baptized or immersed into Christ. This is the one that is saved. If you go over to, go to John for a minute. John chapter 1. I'm excited. John chapter 1, verse 12. <laughs> because I, always, I misread this stuff for a long time. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. All right, so we want to receive Jesus to become a child of God. But even those that only believe, only believe in his name, they haven't really received, but they only believe in his name, that's enough for him to become a child of God. Wrong. It's a style of writing. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. These are those who believe in his name. It's the same thing. It's not two separate things. And it's the same thing over in Mark. He who has believed and has been baptized. It's not two separate things. It's the same thing. He believes and he's immersed into Christ. And that immersion into Christ is what causes him to be saved. Are you with me? So, if we go back to Mark again, Mark 16. And let's look at that again. So he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So if you don't believe, then there's no immersion. So therefore, there's no salvation. On the other hand, if you choose to get immersed into water without believing, you're still not saved because the water don't save you. Isn't that right? It's immersed into Christ, baptized, immersed, dunked, saturated in Christ is what saves you. Now, after salvation, you can have water baptism, but that water baptism don't save you. You're already saved. So water baptism is just an outward show of what's already happened inwardly. Now, this is so important. Foundation, foundation, water baptism is an outward show of what's already happened inwardly. Foundation. That's what it takes to get in the kingdom, and it will never, ever change as long as you live in the kingdom. The outward can only be a manifestation of what's already happened inwardly. If it don't happen inwardly, there's nothing happening outwardly. Foundation. That never changes. Stop trying to change everything out here. Get this thing changed. So what is this all about, being immersed into Christ and all that? It's about being consecrated to Christ and then committed to him in your life. Romans chapter 6. Let's go a little further. This does excite me. I can't help it. I can't help myself. I love the word and nothing else. <laughs> okay. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know 
that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. Baptized in Christ, okay? Is he talking about water? No. He's talking about being immersed into Christ. To be immersed into Christ is to be immersed into his death. You died. Just like he died, you died when you got immersed into Christ. Through the same immersion, we were buried just like he was buried. And we ought to no longer walk in this old life, but just like Jesus was raised up, we can walk now in a newness of life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit and raised up out of death, eternal death. He was raised up out of, we're not talking about being raised up out of the grave, physical death. We're talking about eternal death, hell. He was raised out of eternal death after he paid the price for sin. And the Holy Spirit went right on into the portals of hell and Jesus came alive. You think the devil was doing one of these? No wonder he was paralyzed. He couldn't move. He was paralyzed in fear. The one he thought he had killed forever came alive. <laughs> Praise God. So the old man died and was buried. When we were immersed into Christ, that old man died and we were buried. And we have a new life just as Christ has a resurrected life. For the believer, water baptism is an outward show. I go down into the water as I was buried with Christ, and then I come back up in the newness of life. It's an outward show of what's already happened inwardly. I'm buried as Christ was buried, and I'm raised as Christ was raised. Glory to God. Amen. Verse 5. And if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So it's a newness of life today. Now, think about the resurrection of Jesus. All right. When Jesus was resurrected, he was number one resurrected spiritually out of physical death. Him spiritually as a spirit being with his soul intact came up out of hell, came back into his body, and then that body came alive right there in the grave. Isn't that right? Amen. So in the same way, we have a newness of life. We've been raised up spiritually, right? And then it, we will be ra raised up physically. At the return of Jesus, if we go to see him before he comes to see us, then uh, our, we will be reunited with our physical body. Well, pastor, what if it gets cremated? Well, what's the difference between calling the dust together in a grave or calling the dust together that's in the ocean? What's the difference? No difference to God. Just the difference is in our brain. That's the only difference. There's no difference to God. All he has to do is say it, you coming back together. <laughs> and for the first time in our life, we're really going to get it together. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 6. 
It says, knowing this, know it, know it, know it, never forget it, know it, know it now, know it tomorrow, know it always, never forget this. Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This newness of life is a life free from slavery to sin. Now, you remember where, it, where we talked about that he came to uh, destroy the works of the devil. And what that means, actually, the way it's written in the Greek, it means that he's come to unbind us and disconnect us from the works of the devil. He didn't destroy it. So and this time anyway, he didn't destroy it in this time to where those works don't work anymore. All right. The devil still works, but we're disconnected and unbound from those works. And in the days ahead. He'll be done away with. Amen. So we are empowered now to walk in this newness of life. Hallelujah. When I was in high school, I played some football and I played on the line. Okay. I was a little more buffed back then than I am today. I'm a little more fluffy than I was buff. (laughs) Thank you for your agreement. And playing on the line, the coach would come and tell me that I had the strength to, to, do the, to be on the line and the football team, but I didn't use my strength correctly. So he would teach me how to use the strength correctly to be more effective on the line. See, we are empowered by God to live this newness of life, but we still have to be taught how to use the strength how to use the authority, how to use the ability, how to use the might, how to use the efficiency. You know, just because you're, you, you see a little infant or a baby running around with his diapers and he's got an Uzi in his hand and you know that finger could hit that trigger at any time, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. They'll be pulling that trigger, you know, you know, all that stuff because you know the baby don't know how to use Baby's got the power. <laughs> you know, he's got the power. He don't know how to use it. And that's why I have to be taught. So just because you have ability, authority, strength, power, doesn't mean you know how to use it. And this is why a lot of times you hear people say, well, I know I have authority, but nothing seems to be working. Well, that's like me being on the line, having the strength to be a lineman, but having to be taught how to use it. Are you with me? See, it's all about consecrated living. It's not only believing in Jesus. But it's about finding our life and living a life immersed in him. And in order to live a life immersed in Jesus, you've got to live a life immersed in the word. Because he is the word. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The word sin means to miss the true end and scope of our life. That's what sin means, to miss the true end and scope of our life. And the true scope of our life is our life that's hidden in Christ. That's the true scope of life, to press in and take hold of that life that's in Christ. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that right? Amen. So, very simply, our life in God is the true scope of our life, which is a life of truth. Walking in the truth of the word. His desire is that we be saved. And now that you're saved, grow up, come into maturity and take hold of the truth 
and walk in it. Because it's only by walking in that truth can you be set free. Amen. So therefore, in order for me to walk in that truth, I've got to take on that truth within me. It's got to become a part of me in order for me to live it. Why? Because my choices and my decisions without the truth being me, my choices and my decisions are going to become so erratic. Someday it'll be this way. Some days it'll be that way because the truth is not in. Oh, I know what the truth says, but I hadn't become it yet. When I become it, my decisions are going to become solid, stable, Never changing. Amen. Amen. To remain a slave to sin is to live opposite the truth that God desires we all come to. Truth is our life that is hidden in Christ. Who is the truth? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. So our life hidden in Christ, who is the truth. And Jesus said of the Father, to the Father, thy word is truth. Jesus, the word made flesh. It is the word of truth. And that's how we grow. Amen. Go back over to Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he starts off by saying, if you have been raised up with Christ. That's the question. If you have been, this is what you do. All right. So he says in verse three, for you have died. So if you're raised, you died. If you're raised, then you died. Now that you've died, where is your thinking? Don't give me the church answer. Because there's the church answer of sitting here, but then there's the life answer of being out there. Where is your thinking? What about when your emotions want to flare up? Where is your thinking? What about when something don't go your way? Where is your thinking? What about when the, when the opportunity comes to be? No, not nice. But to be so wronged by somebody. But yet, you're supposed to choose love. Where is your thinking? If you've died, if you've been raised, and we'll probably all say in unison, yes, we're raised in Christ. Well, then you died. Have you ever seen a, do you ever see, uh, been in a funeral home where there's a, a viewing and the body's laying there and somebody says something that's not right and the body goes, hey, shouldn't be talking like that. You ever see the head pop up and go, you know, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see somebody pop up out of the coffin and go, hoochie mama? You ever see anybody do that? No. Why? Dead. So what do you have to meditate on? 
I'm dead. That's what you meditate on. I've died. Paul said it. I've died with Christ. It's no longer that I, I was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that lives. Well, Christ lives in me. You think Christ ever had a hoochie mama moment? I'm just saying. You say, well, pastor, you know, I still have feelings and emotions, and that's your problem. Not having them, but not controlling them. We all have them. I used to be always, um, uh, what do you call I was always told that I had no emotions. You have no emotions. Yeah, I have no feelings. I have plenty of emotions. Number one, I'm Italian. Number two, I'm from New York. I have a lot of emotion. I have just chosen not to give them free reign in my life. Are you with me? Well, how do you do that? Meditate on the word. Meditate, meditate, meditate. What you think about is what you will do. If we've been raised, then we have died. If we are dead, where is our thinking? Where is our mindset? Are we finding newness of life or are we still walking in death? If we died, then the old man is gone. Isn't that right? If I'm not raised in my thinking, then that newness of life is not being developed, which means now I'm a man without a life. Bad enough to be without a country, but this is without a life. You don't have a life. You're a man without a life if you're not developing in the newness of life. Because there is no other life. The old man died. So what other life is there? The old is dead. But we need to take on the new. We have to get raised just like we've been raised up. We need to raise up our mindset. And raise up our life. Isn't that right? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 25 and 26. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. It says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Nope, something's wrong. That is not the right one. Is it chapter 4? Okay, let's try. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 2. Did I say 4? What did I say? This is still not the right one. Let's try Ephesians 5. Oh, Ephesians 2. <laughs> okay. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. Let's try that. <laughs> I'm confusing myself. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Is there a 25 and 26? Maybe there's not a 25 and 26. 
That's probably the deal. I can't tell because it's dark, otherwise I'd, I'd see a bunch of new. <laughs> okay, let me see here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Yes, glory to God. There it is. <laughs> All right, I'm going to change this in my notes before I make the same mistake again. All right, husbands, love your wives just as in the same way as Christ also loved the church. So how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. And all the ladies said, that's right. I read it once. That's enough. Verse 26. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Okay. When we got immersed into Christ, right, we were washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And we entered into the kingdom of God. But now that we're entered into the kingdom of God, now we ought to be washed in the water of the word. That is life in the kingdom. Washed in the water of the word. Washing off the old life. Washing away the old way of thinking. Washing away old traditions. Washing off old former religious ideas. The washing of the saving of the soul. Amen. Because if your soul don't get in line, what's in your spirit will never come out. Let me say that again. If you don't get your soul in line, what's in your spirit will never come out. There's a good book I heard is coming out called Building the Bridge of Your Soul. You really need to get it. <laughs> we are free from slavery to sin. By being washed in the water of the word, we're coming to a place of freedom and liberty in Christ. Free to live in the New Testament laws of the Spirit. Not the Old Testament laws, but the New Testament laws of the Spirit. Baptism is very simply a sign of consecration and commitment. Being washed in the word of God is a continuation of the commitment of the new life that we found in Christ. Because we can only develop in that new life through the word and being washed in that word continuously. Washing away all the spots, washing away all the wrinkles, washing it away, the imperfections of life, the flaws, the wrong thinking, the wrong ideas, the wrong way of doing things. You know, I've heard people say things that, you know, well, this is the way I've always done it and things have gone pretty good for me. You know why? Because you don't know no better. That was like me living in Brooklyn, six years old, being chased home by gangs every day. We thought it was great. It was fun because we didn't know any better until I left Brooklyn and realized that there was, new li there was other life outside of Brooklyn yeah. and that we were no longer chased by gangs anymore. And then, of course, New York was always the greatest until I left there and realized there was life outside of New York. Came to realize that it doesn't matter if you're in the church or outside the church. People are people. Everybody has emotions. Everybody has feelings. 
And everybody chooses whether they're going to yield to them or not. A Christian has an opportunity to renew their mind and get free from the slavery to sin. To clean up their bridge and get the right things into their heart and have the right things coming out of their heart. Isn't that right? Amen. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, I hope. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. All right, there's one baptism. Why? Because it's one immersion. There's one faith. Why? Because it's faith in Jesus for salvation. One baptism, one immersion into Christ that brings salvation into our life. That immersion is based on our faith in Jesus in whom we get immersed into. Isn't that right? Jesus bore our sin, paid our price, purchased the forgiveness for us from our sin. And we are in him. So in him is our redemption. In him is our forgiveness of sins. If we want redemption and we want forgiveness, we have to be in him, immersed in him, baptized in him. Amen. As we were washed and immersed into Christ, now we are to be washed and immersed in the word and take on that new life that we were blessed with through Jesus. You know, we received Jesus as our, as our Lord and Savior. New life came into us. What a tremendous blessing that is. Eternity is not long enough to say thank you. The best thing you could do to say thank you to Jesus for the new life he gave you is to grow in it. Take hold of that word. Get in that word. Get immersed in that word. Get it in your thinking. Get it in your believing. Get it in your decisions. Get it in your choices. Get it in your life. And show the world what a life like Jesus is all about. You don't, the, the world don't need a religious Jesus. They need a living Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We take on the life in Christ in whom we have been immersed into so that that life can cross our bridge of our soul and enter into and come into manifestation in our life. That life on the inside of us is held in captivity until you get your soul straightened out. Get your emotions under control. Get your feelings in order and get your thinking right. Amen. That's the bridge that the things of God that's in your spirit can cross over into your life. Ooh, that's good. Amen. I'm going to get the book myself. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Therefore, if anyone is in, is what? Meaning what? Immersed. If any man is immersed, is baptized into Christ. I died and my life is now in Christ. I've become a new creature. What do I know about this new creature? You know, a squat. I'm serious. You don't know nothing. The only thing you know about being a new creature is thinking like the old creature. You don't know nothing about the new creature. You don't know how to live. You don't know how to act. You don't know how to talk. You don't know how to react. You don't know how to respond. 
You just do it out of the old ways, the old emotions, the old feeling. Oh, this is the way I always react. This is the way I always do it. Well, that's the old ways. That's like a man without a life. Because you're walking in death. It's the old ways. That's not being immersed in Christ. My life in Christ is designed to be better than life in myself. Glory to God. I'm so glad about that. <laughs> Praise. Praise God. Now, I'm not saying that it's a cakewalk to change your thinking and control your emotions and get your life straightened out and not to do the things, the old way of doing it. I'm not saying it's a cakewalk. I'm saying it's work, it's effort, and well worth every bit of it. Because coming out the other side, you know, my life today, from compared to where it was 42 years ago, dear God. 42 and a half years ago, wow, what a difference. But yet, we're not done. But yet, I, you, could, you know, we all get to the place to where you could just sit back and go, well, things are going pretty good. I'm kind of okay. I think I'll put my feet up and just relax for a while. But you've got to fight that temptation. Because to not go forward is to what? Go backwards. There is no standing still in the kingdom. We always look to go forward. Life in Christ is designed to be better than life in myself. As I stated, water baptism for a believer. Now, we're not talking about infant christening. That is not baptism. Now, some religions want to teach you that that, Christ, that infant christening is what baptizes you into the church, and that's what saves you. That is a demonic doctrine. There is no salvation except for that which is in Christ Jesus. And for a believer that has gotten immersed into Christ, that water baptism is an outward sign of what's already happened inwardly, just like a life of faith. The outward manifestations and actions is based on the inward beliefs. And just because you believe something, it don't mean it's right. It's got to line up with the truth of the word. When something changes on the outside, things can change around us. Nothing happens outward unless there's an inward change. The outward is a sign of what's already happened inwardly. And that's what baptism is about. Water baptism is about that. Okay? So that's a foundation, isn't it? So based on that foundation, Mark eleven twenty three. Go ahead over there. Mark eleven twenty three. So many people criticize this because they've never been set on a foundation. And never learned the foundation. Mark eleven twenty three, truly, undoubtedly, and undeniably, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, 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 but believes in his heart, believes in his heart, believes in his heart that what he spoke is going to happen. He'll have what he says. Why? Because something's happened inwardly. 
This is not about blab it and grab it. It's not about some stupid thing. Well, bless God, you know, we went in that store that time and we're just looking at some furniture and the salesperson says, well, I believe you're going to come back and buy this. I said, you believe it all you want, son. I'm not coming back. See, what was he doing? Spouting. He was just spouting. Nothing, no, nothing solid in there. No, no validity to what was being said. It's like I walked into that one church and they had a big sign up. Release to increase. Oh, sowing and reaping. Okay, release to increase. That's another hip way of saying sowing and reaping. I like the original, tell you the truth. So they had a big sign, release to increase. Okay, so we get there. Worship's going on. And I'm thinking about the offerings that's going to be coming up. And the pastor gets up and makes an announcement and talks about release to increase. He said, now God told us that in this camp meeting that uh, if we meet the budget the first night, we are going to have an excellent meeting and the spirit of God is going to move in these meetings. He says, now we've already taken an offering and we didn't meet the budget. So we're going to take another offering. And if we don't meet the budget on the second offering, we're going to take a third offering. And I said, not my offering, you're not. And I put my wallet away and we walked out because he didn't know what he was talking about. He was spouting. No idea what he meant. No idea what that meant. He's just spouting words. If you believe it in your heart, you believe it in your, an inward certainty, a hopeful with a hope with a to, with a complete expectation. Inward certainty, no doubt at all, no matter what the circumstances are saying, no doubt at all. I believe it in my heart and I say it out my mouth. I will have what I say because what I said is who I am. It's not just a phrase that I've chosen to believe. It's not just something I want that I've chosen to say I believe that. It's who I am. And I talk out of who I am. And I'll have what I say because that's who I am. Are you with me? Water baptism symbolizes naturally what? What already happened spiritually. Water baptism is of no profit without first being immersed in Christ. In the same way, the confessions of our mouth mean nothing when there is nothing in our heart to give substance to what we're saying. And wanting something is not substance. Now, you might be in hope, but that don't make it faith. And you got to start with hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you got to start with hope. You just got to know you're in hope rather than faith. You got to know where you're at and be honest about it. Are you with me? Without an inward work, there is no outward experience. It's like putting the cart before the horse. The cart is to be pulled, not pushed. We are to pull things along in life. This is the new life that's in the kingdom. The new life in the kingdom is everything starts inwardly and works outwardly. The elementary teachings about washings, the foundation, and then press on into maturity are you with me the word is to be sown into our heart and it produces life on the inside of us there were those that heard the word and they understood it 
and they bore fruit. It says they bore, how does it word it? They bore and brought forth. They bore and brought forth fruit, some 30, 60, 100-fold. They heard the word, they understood it, they took it to themselves, and on the inside, it bore fruit of life in them. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And based on what was bore on the inside, they were able to bring forth into manifestation 30, 60, 100-fold based on the fruit that was in them. Are you with me? You got to read that. It's over in Matthew 13. They heard the word, they understood it. And these are the ones that bear and bring forth. I'm not sure where. It's not 13 something. That's all I can tell you. Maybe 25. That sounds close. I don't know. Can we put that up, Pastor Tim? Matthew 11, I'm guessing, uh, Matthew 13, I'm sorry, Matthew 13, I'm guessing verse 25. If you put 25 up, I'll know if we need to. Okay, back it up, 25. Yeah, uh, maybe 22. Okay, next word, 23. The one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth he bears it on the inside it's the fruit of life that comes alive on the inside of you based on what you've heard now you're going to mingle your understanding through your mind you're going to mingle your experiences your upbringing you're going to mingle other things with that that's why some can only bear 30 fold And whatever bears fruit on the inside of you, that amount will bring forth from you. But it has to first happen inwardly. I mean, and what did Jesus say? If you don't understand the parable of the sower, you don't understand things. You're not going to understand anything. Why? Because it's all inward to outward. Inward to outward. Inward to outward. Inward to outward. It's the kingdom. It's life in the kingdom. It's new life. That's finding the newness of life that's been given to us. The word sown in our heart produces life on the inside of us. Then we bring forth that life into the natural and have manifestation. Before the word can work naturally in your life, it has to be alive in you spiritually. So you can have all the positive confessions you want, but if it's not out of your heart, it's not going to produce. Now, you need to, listen, you have to understand the difference between whether you're speaking the word into yourself or whether you're speaking the word out from yourself. See, meditation is speaking the word into yourself because the word spoken into you will develop you. And when that fruit comes alive in you and develops you, then it can go forth from you and create in your life. So what you allow in you develops you, and what goes out from you will create from you. Good or bad, right or wrong, positive or negative. You let wrong things in, wrong things come out. Wrong things develop you in the wrong way. Wrong things come out and create for you in the wrong way. Amen. 
receiving spiritually, receive things spiritually, and you will have natural evidence. Stop trying to receive it naturally and receive it spiritually. The number one thing you can do to receive something spiritually is quit trying to figure it out. Even when you're sitting here listening to the word being taught, quit trying to figure out what's being said and just receive what the word says. Just receive it. And the word will develop you. Just receive it. Let it wash you. Just receive what the word's saying. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We were saved inwardly. And then water baptism outwardly. Life in the kingdom. Everything starts inwardly. Why? Why does everything start inwardly? Do you ever wonder about that? Why does everything start inwardly? Because you're a spirit being. As a spirit being, you're a new creature in Christ. Your body's not new. Your soul is not new. You, the spirit being, is new. So that's where everything's going to start from. Amen. Life will proceed out from your spirit where there is life. Your spirit is the only part of you that's life-giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Washed in the word of God. Immersed in Christ. We have consecrated and committed ourselves to him and his life in us. Now we get washed in his word. So that that consecrated committed life can come forth from us into the natural realm. That we'll not only have, but we can live in the newness of life. And where is that newness of life hidden? In Christ, in whom we are immersed. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just bow your head before, for, for, before the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, if you're on, online, just go ahead. Just be before the Lord right now. And maybe you have received Jesus into your life. And you've consecrated your life to him as a new creature in Christ. If you've never received Jesus into your life, it's very simple. The Bible says that you can believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and declare out of your mouth that Father God has raised him from the dead. And it's that simple. He holds no sin against you. The Bible says that Jesus paid for all of your sin and holds nothing against you. You are not judged because judgment passed on to Christ. He took your judgment. He took your condemnation. He paid the price for your sin. And there's no reason to hold on to it at all. But you can walk over into Christ and be free from the judgment of sin, the condemnation of sin, and you can receive the forgiveness of sin and become a new creature in Christ. Just by declaring, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. You paid for my sins and that God has raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive and you did all that for me. 
and I receive you into my life today. And it is that simple. God loves you so much. He wants you so much to be in the house and to be a child of the Most High God that he made it simple so that whosoever believes can partake of the eternal life that he's given to us. Amen. Amen, amen. So in doing so, you consecrate yourself to God. Your life is consecrated to the Lord. You, the Bible says you are God's own particular possession right now. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And then after consecrating to God, we commit ourselves to God. Commit ourselves to grow in him, to develop in him, and to continue on in him. And maybe your commitment to God has waned over some time. And maybe the commitment is not where it used to be or needs to be. And just take a moment right now before the Lord. And if that would be so, then just admit that to the Lord. I mean, there's no sense of trying to hide it from him. He knows. And um, just recommit your life to God and say, I'm going to press in to the commitment I had before, the level of commitment I had before, and I'm not going to let other things get in the way and take that commitment away from me. That I'm going to put God back in first place in my life. His word will be first place in my life. And I'm not going to look at him as a leftover. But I look at him as the most high, the most important, the everlasting father. Amen. 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 And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that commitment. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me in this. You know, I, I, I backed away. I, I, I wasn't strong and, and I slipped away. So I'm looking to you and I'm asking you as my strengthener and my helper to help me in this so that I can keep my commitment strong to my God and I can continue to grow and develop in him. Amen. And that's just that simple that you would simply say those things to him and declare those things to him and he'll be right there at your side to help you all the time in every way and help you to walk in and develop in your commitment. Amen. Oh, Father, we bless you. We bless you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us. Thank you for all that you are to us. We honor you, we bless you, and adore you, and thank you, Lord, that your mercy never fails, your grace never fails, your love never fails. I thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, that you loved us, always loved us, and always will. We bless you and honor you, Father. Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving, we thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed, Father. With that which is in our heart, we believe, Father, as we sow our seed, we believe, based on what's in our heart about sowing and reaping, we declare your word over that which we do, and it is your word that will produce back into our life. The word that's in our, alive in our heart at the level of 30, 60, or 100-fold will produce back into my life 30, 60, or 100-fold. And I thank you, Father, for the continuation of growth and development and maturity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanks for joining us on live stream. So glad you could be with us tonight. And I do pray that the word of God has really touched you, touched your thinking, your perception, and your believing. 
If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, just head over to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And we thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything at all that we can ever pray with you about, stand with you about, be in agreement with you about, please let us know. It's always an honor to stand with our partners and believe God for your very needs to be met. Amen.